Section four of A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy by Lawrence Stern. Section four. The Romise door, Calais this certainly fair lady said i raising her hand up a little lightly as i began must be one of fortune's whimsical doings to take two utter strangers by their hands of two different sexes and perhaps from different corners of the globe and in one moment place them together in such a cordial situation as friendship herself could scarce have achieved for them had she projected it for a month and your reflection upon it shows how much monsieur she has embarrassed you by the adventure when the situation is what we would wish nothing is so ill-timed as to hint at the circumstances which make it so you thank fortune continued she you had reason the heart knew it and was satisfied and who but an english philosopher would have sent notice of it to the brain to reverse the judgment in saying this she disengaged her hand with a look which i thought a sufficient commentary upon the text it is a miserable picture which i am going to give of the weakness of my heart by owning that it suffered a pain which worthier occasions could not have inflicted i was mortified with the loss of her hand and the manner in which i had lost it carried neither oil nor wine to the wound i never felt the pain of a sheepish inferiority so miserably in my life the triumphs of a true feminine heart are short upon these discomfitures in a very few seconds she laid her hand upon the cuff of my coat in order to finish her reply so some way or other god knows how i regained my situation she had nothing to add i forthwith began to model a different conversation for the lady thinking from the spirit as well as the moral of this that i had been mistaken in her character but upon turning her face towards me the spirit which had animated the reply was fled the muscles relaxed and i beheld the same unprotected look of distress which first won me to her interest melancholy to see such sprightliness the prey of sorrow i pitied her from my soul and though it may seem ridiculous enough to a torpid heart i could have taken her into my arms and cherished her though it was in the open street without blushing the pulsations of the arteries along my fingers pressing across hers told her what was passing within me she looked down a silence of some moments followed 
i fear in this interval i must have made some slight efforts towards a closer compression of her hand from a subtle sensation i felt in the palm of my own not as if she was going to withdraw hers but as if she thought about it and i had infallibly lost it a second time had not instinct more than reason directed me to the last resource in these dangers to hold it loosely and in a manner as if i was every moment going to release it of myself so she let it continue till monsieur dessin returned with the key and in the meantime i set myself to consider how i should undo the ill impressions which the poor monk's story in case he had told it her must have planted in her breast against me the snuff-box calais the good old monk was within six paces of us as the idea of him crossed my mind and was advancing towards us a little out of the line as if uncertain whether he should break in upon us or no he stopped however as soon as he came up to us with a world of frankness and having a horn snuff-box in his hand he presented it open to me you shall taste mine said i pulling out my box which was a small tortoise one and putting it into his hand tis most excellent said the monk then do me the favour i replied to accept of the box and all and when you take a pinch out of it sometimes recollect it was the peace-offering of a man who once used you unkindly but not from his heart the poor monk blushed as red as scarlet. "'Mon Dieu!' said he, pressing his hands together, "'you never used me unkindly.' "'I should think,' said the lady, "'he is not likely.' I blushed in my turn, but from what movements I leave the few who feel to analyse. "'Excuse me, madame,' replied i i treated him most unkindly and from no provocations tis impossible said the lady my god cried the monk with a warmth of asseveration which seemed not to belong to him the fault was in me and in the indiscretion of my zeal the lady opposed it and i joined with her in maintaining it was impossible that a spirit so regulated as his could give offence to any i knew not that contention could be rendered so sweet and pleasurable a thing to the nerves as i then felt it we remained silent without any sensation of that foolish pain which takes place when in such a circle you look for ten minutes in one another's faces without saying a word whilst this lasted the monk rubbed his horn box upon the sleeve of his tunic and as soon as it had acquired a little air of brightness by the friction he made me a low bow and said 
twas too late to say whether it was the weakness or goodness of our tempers which had involved us in this contest but be it as it would he begged we might exchange boxes in saying this he presented his to me with one hand as he took mine from me in the other and having kissed it with a stream of good-nature in his eyes he put it into his bosom and took his leave i guard this box as i would the instrumental parts of my religion to help my mind on to something better in truth i seldom go abroad without it and oft and many a time have i called up by it the courteous spirit of its owner to regulate my own in the justlings of the world they had found full employment for his as i learnt from his story till about the forty-fifth year of his age when upon some military services ill requited and meeting at the same time with a disappointment in the tenderest of passions he abandoned the sword and the sex together and took sanctuary not so much in his convent as in himself i feel a damp upon my spirits as i am going to add that in my last return through calais upon inquiring after father lorenzo i heard he had been dead near three months and was buried not in his convent but according to his desire in a little cemetery belonging to it about two leagues off i had a strong desire to see where they had laid him when upon pulling out his little horn box as i sat by his grave and plucking up a nettle or two at the head of it which had no business to grow there they all struck together so forcibly upon my affections that i burst into a flood of tears but i am as weak as a woman and i beg the world not to smile but to pity me the remise d'or calais i had never quitted the lady's hand all this time and had held it so long that it would have been indecent to have let it go without first pressing it to my lips the blood and spirits which had suffered a revulsion from her crowded back to her as i did it now the two travellers who had spoke to me in the coachyard happening at that crisis to be passing by and observing our communications naturally took it into their heads that we must be man and wife at least so stopping as soon as they came up to the door of the remise the one of them who was the inquisitive traveller asked us if we set out for paris the next morning i could only answer for myself i said and the lady added she was for amiens we dined there yesterday said the simple traveller you go directly through the town added the other in your road to paris i was going to return a thousand thanks for the intelligence that amiens was in the road to paris 
but upon pulling out my poor monk's little horn box to take a pinch of snuff i made them a quiet bow and wishing them a good passage to dover they left us alone now where would be the harm said i to myself if i were to beg of this distressed lady to accept of half of my chaise and what mighty mischief could ensue every dirty passion and bad propensity in my nature took the alarm as i stated the proposition it will oblige you to have a third horse said avarice which will put twenty livres out of your pocket you know not what she is said caution or what scrapes the affair may draw you into whispered cowardice depend upon it yorick said discretion twill be said you went off with a mistress and came by assignation to calais for that purpose you can never after cried hypocrisy aloud show your face in the world or rise quoth meanness in the church or be anything in it said pride but a lousy prebendary but tis a civil thing said i and as i generally act from the first impulse and therefore seldom listen to these cabals which serve no purpose that i know of but to encompass the heart with adamant i turned instantly about to the lady but she had glided off unperceived as the cause was pleading and had made ten or a dozen paces down the street by the time i had made the determination so i set off after her with a long stride to make her the proposal with the best address i was master of but observing she walked with her cheek half resting upon the palm of her hand with the slow short measured step of thoughtfulness and with her eyes as she went step by step fixed upon the ground it struck me she was trying the same cause herself <sighs> god help her said i she has some mother-in-law or tartuffish aunt or nonsensical old woman to consult upon the occasion as well as myself so not caring to interrupt the process and deeming it more gallant to take her at discretion rather than by surprise i faced about and took a short turn or two before the door of the remise whilst she walked musing on one side End of section four. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.